A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have two fantastic guests with me, Daniel Cherry III, who is the CMO of Activision Blizzard Esports, and Julian Duncan, the CMO of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Daniel, Julian, hi and welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. How you doing, Julian? Happy to be back. Doing great, Daniel. Glad to uh, connect with you over CMO Moves. Let's get it. I am so excited about this. I can't even hold back here, but this is not going to be about me today. This is about you two fine gentlemen interviewing each other. But I do want to take a quick moment and say, Julian, thanks so much for being a repeat. The first time you were on the show was in January, mm-hmm. and we had such a great time together. And you've subsequently become part of our steering committee and have had a huge impact in the way that we are thinking about our responsibility as Adweek in society. So thank you for all your input to date, and we're excited to, to launch some new things with you as part of our steering committee. Absolutely. It's been my honor. Yeah. And and Daniel, my goodness, I'm excited to talk to you today in person. Well, talk to you today via a microphone. The three of us are hooked up, like I think, all over the place. I'm in San Fran, you're in LA, Julian's in Jacksonville. We kind of got this to work, which is amazing. But also, Daniel, we're going to see you at Brand Week this year. So I'm super excited about that. And for those of you who haven't been following some of the fun social posts that have been going on, I believe there's a, a Pac-Man playoff we've got coming up. There is. Me and Chris Brizzo, absolutely. Pac-Man right on. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. I can't wait. Uh, Brand Week's going to be a great session, so I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what happens. We are literally going to be bringing that machine in, and we'll put you and Chris together. So, Chris... You've been warned. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so let me jump out of this now and pass it over to you two. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy listening. Julian, take us away. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nadine, for turning over the keys to the McLaren and letting us take it out for a spin for a little bit. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, Daniel, let's do this. Let's uh, let's give everybody out there a a quick intro as to who you are, and I'll, I'll bring them up to speed on who I am as well. For sure. No, I appreciate it. So obviously, uh, thanks for the introduction. My title uh, as CMO of Activision Blizzard Esports. We are a commercial engine at Activision Blizzard that drives what we consider the future of competitive entertainment. 
uh, that's sports, um, meets gaming, meets a concert, and meets right all the amazing live experiences you've had in your life from UFC to WWE to right the NBA. We're trying to bring it all in the new frontier. And then we're doing that with global city-based franchises. So my job is to make sure that fans around the world who play these games can enjoy them in a live experience or right on their stream or on television. In many ways, not dissimilar from the NBA, NFL, MLS, or any of the sports that we traditionally enjoy. Um, so that's my day job. Uh, who I am as a person is definitely far from that. I'm a father of two lovely young ladies, uh, an eight-year-old named Sienna, a 13-year-old tennis star named Sydney, uh, and she's named after Sydney Portier, which is a really important fact. So not Sydney, Australia, S-I-D-N-E-Y. And I got a lovely wife, Melanie, who uh, holds us down. And we've been out in uh, the West Coast for about a year now for this role. That's awesome. And, and you're originally from? So we're New Yorkers. So we're Brooklyn folk, kind of raised. Uh, my wife's come from all over the world. So Montreal, Jamaica, Toronto. Uh, so we have a great mix. So my, my girls have an opa, an oma, and some Midwestern grandparents as well thrown in there. So it's been a pretty fun wedding having schnitzel, jerk, soul food. <laughs> Not a bad combo. <laughs> that is too dope. That's awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. So uh, before I get into me, man, your job sounds like the perfect job for the 13-year-old me. Like every, everything that I was into as a kid, you're getting paid to do. So shout out to you for that. Um, no, I pinched myself for sure. All roads led here somehow. And to your point, this is not a, a job I even knew existed. Um, so when you're getting to this point in your career, you're blessed and honored to be able to write the future in many ways. 100%. And we'll come back to that so you can walk people back and spread them up to how you got to the seat that you're in. Quick bit about me. So uh, born and raised Houston, Texas, here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am the chief marketing officer where our purpose is to drive some experiences through football and fun. We try not to make it too much more complicated than that. But we also have an opportunity to drive that fun across other parts of our portfolio. So uh, we recently became a partner in a wrestling league called All Elite Wrestling. We are at the forefront of events and uh, real estate development out here in Jacksonville as well. We have responsibility over the Fulham Football Club over in the UK. So we've got we've got quite a few things going on over here that we have a little bit of fun with. And uh, to steal a little bit from you, that's my day job. Uh, but my real job is I am a, a husband to Marie Antoinette, who is, again, she holds us down like like your wife holds you down. And I have two little ones as well. My oldest, her name is Sydney. I did not know your daughter's name was Sydney. <laughs> there you go. No fighting at all. But my five-year-old daughter, she's Sydney. And then my son, Ace, is two. And uh, they definitely keep me on my toes and keep me busy around here. But it's a good look for sure. Absolutely. They keep you humble. They don't care what we do in their day jobs. We're just dads. They don't care what our titles are at all. Indeed. <laughs> okay. So it's so interesting that you and I have been connected for years, but we've never met in person. We've been connected through social media. We've got some mutual friends and acquaintances that uh, we either know personally or professionally. But as I looked at your background, man, it's super interesting to see the experience you had on both the um, agency side and the client side and in sports and outside of sports. Can you give the listeners a little bit of a, a sprint through your, your background? For sure. I uh, didn't know I was doing this, but I balanced out my career as I uh, have been fond of saying on both sides of the brief. For those in advertising, you get what I mean by that. But uh, I spent the first part um, of my professional career 
developing the agency brief, if you will, on the uh, advertising side. But even uh, my earliest memories of, to your point, getting in this game was back on college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Wharton, uh, University of Pennsylvania, Quaker, uh, go Quakers. <laughs> and on that campus, we had some grad students and they uh, were doing a grad school project. And that grad school project became the brand and one. So I quickly found myself doing grassroots marketing and basketball live experiences with a merchandising media and marketing company as a 19 year old kid. So I'm literally taking my classes and asking my professors how to help me build a marketing plan and a brand plan. Um, So it was real life experience. And I'll give one professor a big shout out, Dr. Kenneth Shropshire. He's now running the Arizona State Global Institute on Sports with uh, Adidas, but he was my legal studies professor. And he uh, pretty much became my consultant and helped me build this uh, business with my uh, grad student partners and founders. Um, So that was my first gig um, was running advertising and running the media and events for this company. I ended up finding my first agency gig out of it. I got ignored by a lot of New York agencies by this uh, 19-year-old kid trying to call them up saying, hey, I have an RFP. Can you uh, pitch my business? And they didn't take me seriously. But one agency took me seriously, and that was Crispin Porter Bogusky. So I'll be forever grateful to Jeff Hicks, Steinhauer, and Chuck Porter and Alex Bogusky. They answered the brief and became the agency of record for And One for years. And when I graduated and kind of got my, my seat legs underneath me, Alex asked me if I wanted to join the agency. Uh, so I started doing strategy and creative work at Crispin. So I moved to Miami after I graduated college and worked uh, down there for a while. I worked on the Mini Cooper campaign, pitched that, the Truth campaign, which was a great experience. And then uh, from there, New York was calling me back and hmm. I, uh, I needed to get back home. So I went back to New York um, and then stood there uh, for most of my career professionally. I worked at Widen & Kennedy, working on ESPN, Nike, Jordan Brand there. And then a few of us joined forces with a bunch of ex-shy guys and we uh, built Anomaly. Mm. And the one thing that I learned uh, at Widen was culture is everything. And uh, Dan gave us the keys and the blessings. So me and Mike Byrne and a guy named Richard Motor from Nike, uh, we all joined forces with the shy guys and built, I think, one of the, the better agencies uh, you know, of the past uh, 20 years, in my opinion. The work, uh, I think, stands the test of time. I uh, had a great run there. Um, and then I went client side after that. I eventually, we sold to the ex-Christman guys, right? Chuck Porter and team at uh, MDC bought stake in Anomaly. Um, and I ended up, as a serial entrepreneur, getting back to sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. We got lucky to buy a stake in the New York Cosmos and resurrect that brand. So I was able to travel the world with Pelé, which was a blessing and one of the most amazing times of my life. And uh, we built that brand. And while I was at Anomaly, we had the opportunity to pitch some business by an amazing company, Diageo. And once we sold the Cosmos, the Diageo folk came knocking and said, hey, you want to take your, this show on the road? And it was my first corporate gig, if you will. I went from downtown New York City to Midtown, mm-hmm. which was a big move for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 455th Avenue in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, but I had an amazing run there at Diageo running uh, strategy, uh, portfolio strategy, consumer strategy there. And then eventually um, I ended my career there as SVP of marketing for North America. Um, which was awesome. And then I went to sports entertainment, which is how I ended up here. I went and became CMO of what is now Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, which uh, similar to your world, we had a hockey team, uh, the New Jersey Devils. We had an arena, the Prudential Center. Um, and we also uh, owned the Philadelphia 76ers um, and Crystal Palace Premier League soccer team. Mm-hmm. So the sports holdings that we had there, I got my feet wet kind of being what we call an arena rat living in the arena. Our office was in the Prudential Center and really helping run live experiences with 13 to 16,000 folk from hockey games, to basketball games to pros, concerts. And then 
we ended up buying an esport franchise, Team Dignitas. And that's what got me in esports. And obviously, if you kind of understand that career path, you see why it makes a lot of sense where I am now. The live experience piece, the lifestyle piece, the entertainment piece, all coming together around esports. And I'm having the time of my life. Man, salute to you and the, the trail that you've blazed. You know, I, I sit here as I was listening to you in, in awe because a lot of the things that you've worked on are things that I grew up admiring. I remember your work and I'm kind of geeking out a little bit, but nothing but respect to you and, and your teammates and your partners for your role in driving some of the coolest stuff that uh, we've been experiencing over the years. Well, look, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a one-man army for sure. So to your point, the one thing that I can say that, and you've seen this as well in your own career, that's consistent when you get to this point, is that you follow great people. I mean, great people and great culture is the recipe for success, candidly. Uh, So my uh, career may not make kind of linear sense to most folk, but it's always the ambitious, visionary, collaborative, amazing souls that I follow. Um, And that's what led to great things. 100%. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the direction that you've gone in from agency side to client side, I know that some people do follow that path and kind of shifting gears over to to me. I I did not go that route necessarily. I'm more rough around the edges, as it were, (laughs) in comparison. (laughs) Um, You know, I started out, you know, my career is been sports almost from from the jump, you know, going all the way back to college when I played football at Rice University down in Houston. And I went back to Rice to uh, get my MBA focused in marketing and general management. And then coming straight out of business school uh, is when I joined forces with the swoosh at Nike mm-hmm. as a part of their marketing development program and worked across a number of sport categories and functions while I was there over a 10 year period. Everything from Nike football to Nike sportswear to Nike Plus in its infancy days. My last role there was brand director for the LeBron James business, which allowed me to work hand in hand with LeBron and Maverick Carter and Rich and Randy and all the folks on the inside, Jason Petrie, that have a hand in driving that global brand forward. After that 10th year, I jumped ship and went over to Under Armour, where I was the head of basketball, where I got an opportunity to work with Steph Curry and driving the basketball doctrine around the world. And then... Shout out to Stoney <laughs> over there. Stone and that crew. Chris Stone. Uh, Justin Brown and that team. And then about six months into that role, they, they invited me to uh, take the reins of the head of men's training. And that allowed me to work hand in hand with The Rock and Cam Newton and Michael Phelps and others. Six months into that, they asked me to assume the head of global brand management and advertising, which allowed me to dip my toe in the water of actually like building a a brand marketing function from the ground up. And then the Lord opened the heavens and dropped this job out of the sky. And it allowed me to dive into this convergence of uh, of football marketing and leadership here with the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, have been here for about a year now. And uh, I'm loving every minute of it. Different paths to get to our seats, but I think it's a good shining example of how there's no one way to skin a cat. No, absolutely. I mean, the key is how do you create that sweet spot in your career where your skill set and your passions overlap? And that to me is a really important piece. And some people have a spectrum of, right, they're highly skilled, but their passion may not, may not be there. Yeah. And when you can find that right balance, uh, you, you get a special place. And I think you've done that. And I've seen the work you've done on the uh, LeBron brand. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing over here in this live experiences space, which uh, 
you uh, got your hands full, but I can't wait to come and see a Jacksonville Jaguars game and see your work. I got you. We're going to get you one of those spa cabanas. So, you know, we got pools in our yes. stadium. So I- oh, I heard. I, I see it all the time. I'm coming. I'm bringing my trunks. I got you. I got you covered. <laughs> Let's talk about motivations and inspiration. So when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, as it relates to the job that you have to do, what motivates and inspires you to attack your, your job? It's a great question. Um, to me, I uh, focus on a few things. I call them the kind of the P's. And if you're a marketer, you kind of have your four P's. But to me, mine are a little different than those marketing P's. The first is people. Um, I really am inspired by people. And as a manager, you get this point in your career. My job is less about the business than it is putting my people in positions to win, mm-hmm. to impact culture in a positive way. So people is really important for me. I've never actually been able to hit a number without happy, motivated people. And if you, you don't have them, you can hit it short term through some financial maneuvering and some things that you can uh, sustain, but it's not a long-term opportunity for success. So for me, people is the first. The second is priorities. Do we have our priorities aligned? Do we know what the main thing is and do we keep the main thing the main thing? The third is process. Do we have an efficient process? I liken it to Kaizen, right? Do we have the ability to kind of continually progress and make things better? Uh, Not strive for perfection. That's just motivation for getting better the next day. But do we have a process that we believe and align to that is bigger than our ego, bigger than our personalities, and bigger than our opinions? And last P is performance. To me, I like the pressure of performing with real metrics, real KPIs, and real goals. I like making plans. To me, that's like winning a championship in business. So I think that's uh, how I manage my life and career when it comes to my day-to-day. Um, those four Ps kind of dictate a lot of what I do. Um, and the other things that I focus on are, I call them MTMs. And my team, if they hear this, they're going to roll their eyes because I say it a lot. MTMs are metrics that matter um, and meetings that matter. Metrics that matter. Are you keeping score on the things that matter most? And then the meetings that matter. Are you actually meeting on the things that matter most? I think oftentimes in business, we get in this weird meeting flux where we have to have all of these things on the calendar because we feel like we're being productive based on the number of meetings we have <laughs> versus asking, are the meetings as important and as productive as they should be? Right. Um, they're not. A, they're means to an end. They're not an end in and of itself. Uh, so to me, those are some things that uh, I've seen over the time. Um, in my career that that really helped me kind of focus my my day-to-day, you know, quarter to quarter, year to year. What about you? Love it. And I will be stealing both. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're right. All, all yours. All yours. Um, you know my mantra, we rise together or we're staying grounded forever. So anything I can do to share, I'm in. 100%. Well, I'll share mine, but then I want to come back to a couple of things that you said there because I think it's, it's packed with some goodness for us to get after. But uh, for me, when I wake up in the morning, man, I'm, I'm thinking about what can I do to help transform the face of marketing as it relates to those that have been disenfranchised or, or folks that are just not participating, specifically uh, persons of color? When you're looking at, the, at some of the leadership roles and leadership positions, you don't see a, a ton of diversity, right? And it's to the point where it's being talked about a lot, but we got to make sure that we're putting some action to it to help change it. And it's not change for change's sake. Is that, you know, there are business cases that are out there that tell you that diverse experiences, diverse people, diverse points of view lead to greater business results. So, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission to do my part to help transform that. And I'm starting, you know, right here in the realm of athletics. When you think about what the complexion of the folks are that actually play the game of football that are on the field, the front office is not, it doesn't reflect what, what the product looks like. And there are guys that are out there on the field that are college graduates, they're business minded, they're entrepreneurs, they're marketers, they're creators. 
And, you know, we need to make sure that we are providing them an opportunity and a platform to get that out, right? And to, you know, take take a role in the front office should they choose to do so, or take their role in on the leadership team uh, at a big brand somewhere if they choose to do so, and that they're not disqualified just because they are considered an athlete first. So I'm doing everything that I can to help effectuate that transformation with everything that we have going on here with the Jaguars. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a fun process. It's a challenging process, but one that, you know, little by little, we're going to keep chipping away at it. And uh, I think we'll all be better for it as, a, as an industry and even as a marketing discipline for it at the end of the day. I love it. I love it. You're, you're so right. Oftentimes, as marketers, we get into our own little bubbles and I believe that our budget and our plan are, you know, what creates our vision, mm-hmm. right? Your marketing plan and your budget are kind of the extent of your vision. The reality is you got to think much bigger than that. And I love the fact that you're using the opportunity that you have as a seat at the table to bring more folk up. Um, because it's really important, right? Lift as you climb. And I love the fact that you're doing that uh, where you are. And I love the fact that we're doing that here over here in, uh, in the esports space. And um, it's important for me personally, to your point, to focus on that diversity. I uh, have used the term oftentimes uh, radical inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to be radically inclusive yes, um, because it's not natural to look outside of yourself, uh, meaning to not hire folk that look like you. That old adage uh, they're not a culture fit. Well, you should question your culture. That's the first thing you should question exactly. um, before you question if they fit it or not. Um, and so to me, I think making sure that you have radical incl- inclusivity is, is a really important part. I'm proud of the fact that we have a head of marketing as a female for Overwatch League, which is a historically esports male-dominated industry, or we have the head of product and our commissioner of our right Call of Duty uh, esports and Johanna Ferris, who came from the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the fact that we have people in positions that, to your point, aren't traditionally expected to be there. And our goal is to break down those traditions because not all traditions are, are good ones. Exactly. Uh, so we should start some new ones. Exactly. And uh, I think uh, it starts with us. I love that word radical. The word I use to, uh, typically use is uh, being intentional with it, right? So just being purposeful mm-hmm. with getting after uh, getting after inclusion. Uh, I want to go back to your four Ps, man. So one, the one P that really stuck out to me was process, right? Because I think most people, anecdotally, most people, when they think about marketing, they always go to creativity and the creative, you know, and they, 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 they have a preconceived notion of what that actually means or how you get to that really cool output. What role does process play in enabling or kickstarting the creative output? What role has that played over your career? It's been critical. So, I'll get personal here. The young folk that come underneath me, they oftentimes ask me, what's a piece of advice I give them? And it's usually a lot of young you know, African-American brothers who come up who are inherently connected to culture. Mm-hmm. They have their finger on the pulse because they're living it. And one of the things I told them is being young, black, and cool is not a skill set. Right. It's a life stage. So oftentimes creativity is looked at that. Oh, you're young. You're in the know. You know what's going on. You're clearly inherently a creative guy because you dressed apart. So how about you just brainstorm some stuff and share it with <laughs> us? And that should be good enough to attach our brand to, and we'll be off to the races. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is not the way. Being cool doesn't always guarantee commercial success. Being right doesn't always guarantee commercial success. So it is a right science um, and an art. But one of the things that I will always remember is that John Jay, who was our creative director, and he's the partner at Widen and Kennedy, and he's now is running Fast Retailing, and he's the visionary behind a lot of the work that Uniqlo is doing. John Jay, you know, instilled in us that we are in the business of creativity. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a very different conversation than just being creative. Mm-hmm. You can be a starving artist and be Basquiat. Right, right, right. That's subjective, but culture usually catches up to you. But if you're a starving art director, you're just not selling good work that works. Mm. It's that simple. Um, and it's not subjective. This is a business. So to me, the difference between having just what you consider creativity in the broadest sense and doing it in the business context is actually understanding that you're trying to solve a very specific business goal. Mm-hmm. And you need to do that in amazing ways that will accelerate and be sustainable because the best ideas are sustainable ideas that can create accelerated growth, in my opinion. And so process can help do that because process to me isn't necessarily write the brief, fill the brief out, come back in two weeks and give me the ideas. Mm-hmm. This is not a Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down. Is the idea good? To me, the process is really more about the conditions for success. Yes. Are you creating the right environment? The same way that great companies have great innovation, right? Not just departments, but cultures. And I'm oftentimes saying to my team, look at case studies, not white papers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I care much more about experience than theory, right? Theory is how it should go. Experience is how it actually went. And I want to learn from how it actually went. Uh, So to me, that is critical. So I really look for companies and cultures that have great creative innovation processes and or cultures um, and still as much as I can. Awesome. Let's dive into what you have going on over at Activision and Blizzard Esports. So unpack for everybody what's going on there. I think to some, when they hear gaming, they the imagination conjures up everything from, you know, Pokemon Go to Madden to Mario, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. talk to us about the space that you're in right now and what you guys have on your horizon in, in your industry. For sure. Well, we use the term competitive entertainment. I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but competitive entertainment is essentially taking, to your point, the recreational gaming and entertainment um, experience that many of us have had throughout uh, the history of playing video games and connecting it to the meritocracy, the agony of right defeat, <laughs> ecstasy of victory, and that amazing ritualistic live experience that we almost take for granted in traditional sports, where you go to the mecca of sports and you experience the tailgating and you experience the jerseys and the autograph signings and you experience the right highs and lows of watching your teams on television. That has not happened in such a global entertainment space like gaming. Gaming to me, in as many ways, I talk about it being one of the universal languages in the world. I think music, math, Mm -hmm. and gaming are three of the most universal languages in the world. And gaming, when you get to the competitive side, can create, I think, those same experiences for those who play it and watch it. And so what we're building are predominantly franchise models. So taking the exact same experience that you have in NFL, we're taking the franchise model. For Overwatch League, we have 20 global franchises that are city-based. And they compete for truly a world championship. Mm-hmm. Last year at Barclays Center, we sold out two days and we had the London Spitfire playing the Philadelphia Fusion. So a truly global championship. Wow. And these are the 200 best players who play Overwatch, the game in the world. So they're the elite of the elite who play this game. And so we think that that experience is something that a lot of fans can relate to and a lot of folk who play video games can relate to that may not necessarily grow up with traditional sports. Their backyard was the video game. Sure was necessarily throwing a football with their dad or right going to the batting cages. A lot of folks do both of those. They blow off steam playing video games, and they have a lot of success playing traditional sports, like many professional athletes mm-hmm. who play games. Mm-hmm. So we're building that around Overwatch League, and we think that's a really great model. We have our grand finals in Philadelphia on September 29th. So two teams battle out for 
the equivalent of the Super Bowl of right Overwatch League. And then we have Call of Duty. We're building a similar franchise model um, that we're going to launch in 2020. And we're excited given how massive that game is. And we believe the model that we've built on Overwatch League can extend to Call of Duty in even a bigger and better way. So we're excited with the future holds. And the beauty of what we're doing in 2020 is we're taking these city-based franchises and we're giving them the opportunity to engage in their local market. I can't wait. We got to get y'all down here to Florida. Oh, we, we have a team called the Florida Mayhem okay. in the Overwatch League. So you got to check them out. So you can go to overwatchleague.com, check out the app. But we have Florida Mayhem already in the Overwatch League, and we're going to look to have some teams in your neighborhood for Call of Duty as well. Uh, so you definitely have some teams to represent, the 305 and the entire broader, actually, state. Love it. And, and what I love about what you guys are doing, it just taps into, and we use this word a lot in marketing, but it, it really just taps into the heart and soul of community. I think about, you know, when I was growing up and I'm going to date myself here with some of these game references, but I can remember we would be done with practice uh, in college and we would be sprinting to get to the PlayStation so we can, you know, line up and and, and play play Madden against each other in a makeshift tournament, right, to determine who the king of the day was in Madden. Or we would even all just pile around a TV and sit down and watch um, people play Goldeneye. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. We just sit around and watch. And, you know, it was just, but it was something that brought us all together. We would get out there, we would talk noise to each other. You know, people would get a little upset. You know, maybe a controller or two would get thrown at a TV. But, you know, it was all in the spirit of competition. Like you said, that com- competitive entertainment. And you guys have taken that and you've really augmented it and distorted it in a really, really cool way. Well, I love that you mentioned that the community piece is really important when it comes to what we're doing in the video game space and this community that already exists that we are now celebrating and elevating as much as we can. But they believe, to your point, in this global community. Like I said, their backyards were around the world, talking to people with of different languages and different ethnicities. Um, so that's one of the beauties of gaming. One of the actually best things about Overwatch League, given how global it is, is that this community doesn't oftentimes have places and spaces for them to engage in what we call IRL, in real life. Mm-hmm. So building this esports experience is going to give folks a place of their own to come together and commune. Again, the same way that a hockey fan goes to watch their favorite team with a bunch of other hockey fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the exact same experience here in esports, and I couldn't be more excited because these fans are so grateful that you're giving them something that's theirs. You're giving them their first ever sports moment, yes. which is an amazing, rich moment. You're giving them the first ever jersey, right? They might not have worn a LeBron James jersey before or a Tom Brady jersey. Mm-hmm. So for them, they're wearing their first ever heroic athlete, if you will, in the esports space. So we, we love the fact that we're doing this and uh, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we're experimenting every day. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it, right? Like you're experimenting it and, and creating these relationships and these, these tribes in the process and, and that's something that we strive to do on a daily here at the Jags as well. While we are uh, the only pro sports team here in, in town, we don't take that position for granted at all. In fact, one of the things that we are dogged about is our pursuit of deeper insight, deeper relationships that can help us tease out some new experiences and opportunities uh, to bring that football and fun to our fans here in, in Jacksonville. And you know, one of the things that we're seeing that is a shifting of the tectonic place in sport is that you're going to hear this and you'll be like, well, of course, but it's shifting from the transactional to the relationship. I I know that you're familiar with this from your, your time with the cosmos and the red bull. It's like a franchise or a transaction based franchise is one that says, Hey, give me your money and I'll give you a ticket. And we hope to see you next week. 
what we're trying to shift and turn the page to is being a relationship brand where no matter if we're three and 13 or 13 and three, you still want to be down with us for some really deep relationship based reasons. And, you know, as, as more and more brands and give themselves over to creating experiences, uh, that's something that in the sports industry, we have to be mindful of, right? Because we're not necessarily competing against other franchises or other sports teams, you know, we're competing against other brands that are carving and crafting experiences to get that mind share with our fan and with our consumer. So it's something that, you know, that's a huge shift that you're starting to see in our space is moving away from that transaction and doing more of what you guys are doing, building those tribes, building those communities, you know, where you have these inseparable, unbreakable bonds with those fans and consumers out there. So guys, I am going to have to interrupt you two troublemakers for a moment because uh, we are we are out of time. And uh, I know already, can you believe it? But we do have to squeeze in one or two other quick questions. So okay. by the way, I couldn't help but, but just think about a few people as you guys were talking. I think, Julian, you need to call Heidi Browning Pearson and Seth Freeman and Daniel and you guys all go out for drinks and you will change the world together. I'm just saying. Heidi's my girl. That's my homie right there. NHL days, when she came over from Pandora, we definitely had some drinks. So are <laughs> you referring to Seth Freeman from Buffalo Wild Wings? Yes, yes. Uh, roar. I, I'll never forget the podcast I did with him, which was all about camaraderie. It's about getting together and being competitive and having yes. fun. So he'll serve some food. You guys will figure out the future of esports. Uh, you'll have community all over the place and people wearing each other's jerseys. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. A lot of our teams have watch parties at Buffalo Wild Wings. I love it. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Well, then hopefully I'll get an invite one day too. For sure. Absolutely. Julian, I'm still waiting for my invite to London, dude. Hey, Brand Week is the same time as our London trip. So you can't make it. I know. I can't make it. Okay. Next one. So I am going to close this out. If that's all right, Julian, you've done an amazing job spearheading this. And Daniel, you too. You guys have been awesome. But I'm going to close this out. And I have to know... Julian, you've already had one hit at this, so I'm going to ask Daniel first, but then I need you to come back with something different from the first time, okay? Okay. All right. Daniel. Yes. If money and talent were no object, none, you could have it all in spades, and you could be doing anything in the world right now except what you're doing now, because that's too easy. You can't answer that. What would you be doing? Teaching. I've been dubbed a professor by many of my friends and colleagues because of how much I think about the marketing landscape and culture, i.e. my four P's and all the little anecdotes that I come up with. So teaching is definitely something that I do my day job, but I would do full time for sure. I love it. And what a noble cause. You know what? That happens to be one of the most common answers I get from CMOs. And there's a a big philosophy around that, which I won't waste our time on here, but we're going to come back to that one day and talk about it. But Julian, surrounded by your Funko Pop, I want pictures of the new family members, okay? Nine months, you've seen a lot. Is there anything new on your list that you would do? Yes, I would be a baker. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was not expecting that, okay. <laughs> baker, like desserts? What are, you do? what are you doing? Bread? Yes, sir. So I, I, I learned how to make biscuits recently. And my biscuit game is very, very strong. <laughs> and my mother-in-law makes the world's greatest cinnamon roll. And I'm going to get her recipe and I'm going to perfect it. And that might be my second career. 
I am laughing over here crying. This is so awesome. I expect baked goods next time we, we see each other. So I can't wait to taste your Julian Duncan cinnamon rolls. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So, so fun guys. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. And uh, Julian, as always, can't wait to see you whenever we can get in touch again. And Daniel, see you at Brand Week, my friend. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Daniel, I know you're super busy. Nadine, I know you're crazy busy as well. Thank you both for taking the, the time to do this. Uh, I learn so much whenever I'm around both you guys, and um, I, I just appreciate the time. This is great. I definitely want to pass it along. And anything we can do, you got a fan in me, Nadine, so however I can support and help, let me know. I'm already part of uh, Mark Pritchard's CMO Growth Council. I'm trying to kind of put some diversity in the truest sense of the word into that group, both in our initiatives, but also in the body makeup of it. Uh, but anything I can do to support you, let me know. Oh, I definitely will. That's interesting. You mentioned Mark Pritchard. I literally, two hours ago, was just recording a podcast with him and Mr. Antonio Lucio. And it was all about some of the things you just mentioned. So I will be calling you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.